The Holy Spirit has come to make Jesus real to us and real through us. He comes to communicate the signal importance of Jesus Christ above everything and everyone else. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. As you listen in today, we pray that the Spirit would advance this work in your life. Now here's our Bible teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The wells of the church's salvation are blocked up. If they weren't, we would be experiencing a great surge in influence, an acceleration of spiritual growth, an intensification of holy love for Christ. We would know something of the sweetness of revival. But you can't know this if you'll learn to take the rubble out of the well. Genesis 26 verse 18 reads, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3, a promise is given of the time in which Christ shall come and reign upon the earth, a reign that he is foreshadowing in those that he rules in even now. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Curious thought, what are those wells and where can we find them? We've been talking about using the story of Isaac as a metaphor, as a picture of a life that God intends for those people who come and discover him and find his salvation, his forgiveness, his cleansing, his life. That moment in which a person comes and meets the Lord Jesus and sees that this one is the one who has died for their sins who has risen to pour out upon them his life and to bring transformation in his life, that person who by faith receives that and embraces that has at that moment opened up for them this wonderful well of life and benefit that they're not to extract just in one moment. It's not as though you have this momentary encounter with the Lord Jesus and then you go on life as it is in the past just with a little good story in the middle of it and a bright spot in it. Maybe you've been brought to a higher slope so that as you go and transcend down through life, you know, you get to gain a little more momentum in your life. No, that's not what it's about. It's about a whole new life, a whole new access of nourishment and a whole new place from which to draw sustenance and direction for the rest of your existence. Well, the problem is, is that oftentimes having come to this well that opens up before you, you begin to think, now that I've got this new start in life, I can take over and do it myself. I'll do well. You know, I got it wrong and I, I messed up, but now that you've put me back on the right path again, I'll fill in this blank chalkboard now with all the right notes and all the, I'll do all the right things now. And so thanks a lot, God. I'll take over from here. And you turn your eyes away from the very one who brought you to that place and opened up all this possibility for you. And you turn yourself away to your own impulses and your own strength and your own energy and your own desire, which was where sin came from, a desire to independently prove yourself. The minute you do that, Satan comes back behind you and he starts pouring into that well, that place that you'd found that opened up life to you, all kinds of rubble so that when you get wise to your error and you get back to that well, you have a hard time extracting it from, from it, the life that you once did, the very thing that opened up for you. And now it's Well, it's the Christian life, but, you know, it's kind of stale and it's kind of hard and it's difficult. You're not experiencing that deep refreshing. 
That's what happened in our story here. Isaac left the place where his father had opened up these great wells to go prove himself. And then eventually he got pressed back by his enemy to the very place where he should have stayed. But now he's found that his enemy, while he was gone, had filled that well with rubble. And Isaac has to dig the rubble out so that he can get to the water in that well. And here's what we've talked about. The first thing we've talked about is we're not talking about some extra special Christian experience. Like Isaac, what's in that well is absolutely necessary and vital. You can't live in this place. You can't survive unless you can get the water in that well. It's not somehow some higher plane of Christianity. A person who's just a few select people who, who get to kind of get on the high spots and the high tide of the Christian life. No, this is the Christian life. Without it, there's no life at all, but only a contradiction and a walking blasphemy the very things that you say you believe. So you need what's in that well. And if you really know you need it, you'll be desperate for it. And like Isaac, you'll get down on your hands and knees and you'll start clutching and grabbing at the rubble in that well and get it out so the water will start flooding up again. God, help me get back to the things you brought me to once before. And you'll start pulling it out. Well, now we've discussed what the rubble was. And the first thing we said was the first piece of rubble that the enemy puts in the well is... A losing sight of God as a real, living, or powerful being who you lived before. God becomes simply an intellectual abstraction in your mind. It's not that you deny your faith in Him. You believe that He exists, but in all practical terms, from day to day and moment to moment, you live as an atheist. It's that He's there, but He really doesn't inform your waking moments and your decisions because he's become an abstraction in your mind. And periodically you repair to him and you might recall and reflect upon him in a tight spot or in some difficulty or when you've had a moment of inspiration. But for the most part, you're actually content living without him imposing himself upon your decisions in your life. And it's working well for you that you leave him as an abstraction because that leaves you in more control of your own life. And well, that's the first rubble that gets in the well. Once that rubble gets in the well, the next thing that turns and changes or gets in the well is that you come before this very word and it come before it as a compromised word because now no longer is this living, all-powerful God that you lived before, the one who sovereignly dictates its meaning to your life, but you put your own sovereignty over this word. And you're the one who extracts from it whatever meaning you want. And so the book becomes now just a manual for living a good life or a place to get good insight or a book that you can open up and plunk your finger down upon every once in a while when you need a desperate word of encouragement. And it becomes a book of ethics. And it becomes a book of just moralisms. It becomes a book in which you find affirmations and positivisms and where you discover pet curiosities and so you wear out the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation as if that's the thing that you should be involved in. And Well, the next thing that happens when you become sovereign over that word and you go to it for what it means to you and what you want to get out of it instead of what God, the speaking living God, would speak to you is that you lose grasp on the great doctrines of the faith. You no longer cling to them and love them. The very things that God was systematically and progressively making known to this word, you lose sight of just for a few little tips and details to guide your life. The great doctrines of the faith are neglected, and if you, you do return to them, you only retrieve them as some high point for your own intellectual consideration. 
not humbled before these doctrines, these truths. You don't let the Holy Spirit arbitrate those truths and illuminate them to your heart in order that He might transform you and give shape to your very life and focus on life by them. Last week we talked about some of what these truths were that have been dispossessed. You lose grasp of them and they just become clutter in the well and you can only take them out of the well by taking them back to your heart and receiving them and so that the water can begin to flow again. And Well, we talked about the doctrine of sin. You let go of that idea of sin and your own sin and you let go of the doctrine of God's just wrath and judgment against sin and as a result, you don't necessarily feel a great need to cling to the great doctrines of salvation. His forgiveness and cleansing that it brings us through Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross in our place for our sins. You then lose hold of the other element of salvation, which is the wonderful doctrine of regeneration. Not only would God forgive us and cleanse us, but that God would come and take broken individuals and pour His own life in us and transform us and make us new people. That's the doctrine of regeneration. Once you lose hold of the doctrine of regeneration, you lose grasp on the doctrine of sanctification. The doctrine of sanctification really is taking a person who's been made new and transformed by the new life that God gives us through faith in His Son, having died for our sins, and that new life now beginning to express itself and work out from my life, my whole life, to make me and help me grow up in a way that is honoring and pleasing and more and more like the Lord Jesus. It's the life of sanctification. All these things kind of get put aside. Instead, in its place, what happens is we develop a philosophy in life that says, try harder. Just do your best. Just find some good rules to cling on. Follow the golden rule. Just do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Just be as good a person as you think you are. Really, you're really not hurting anyone anyhow. Kind of what it boils down to. What do people expect? And so, life begins to actually dwindle down into a consistent mediocrity. Oftentimes it lands in utter failure. There's no power in moralisms and ethics and trying harder. There's only power in the life that God came to give you through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can transform you. We went through this doctrine of justification, regeneration. Let me review it for you again with a little more depth than what I've just said. Justification works kind of like this. It's where God justifies us. It's where He takes people who have sinned and broken His laws and He does a work on our behalf so that He may approach us and we may approach Him as if we'd never sinned. Justification looks like this. Because I'm sinful... I'm under God's just judgment, righteous judgment against sin. God balances out all things that are untrue. It's right, it's good that He does this. As a result, I'm separated from Him. I don't have a relationship with Him. And what God does in justifying me is He, he offers up His Son as the one who would die and suffer for my sins to pay the price of my sins. And when I trust and believe in Him that He's done everything for me in my place, I cease trying to earn favor from God and I receive the favorable gift that He wants to give me. And the gift He wants to give me is the gift of complete and utter forgiveness. And I'm forgiven. And as a result of being forgiven, I am restored to a proper and right place to develop and grow in a deep and meaningful relationship with Him. 
I'm cleansed of my sins. That's how justification works. But justification is one of the great pillars of salvation, but laid right next to it is this pillar of regeneration. The very moment that I trust in the Lord Jesus and I am forgiven, which is something that God declares in heaven, God also, at that very moment, does something in my heart upon the earth here. In heaven, He declares, He's forgiven. He's right. I hold nothing against Him or her. He's restored in relationship with me. On earth, what happens is God, at that very same moment, as we put our faith in Christ, comes and He lives in our life. And He transforms us. Regeneration is kind of like this. Before I'm regenerated, before this work takes place in my life, I'm a sinful individual who the Bible describes as being spiritually dead. Sin is in my nature and it is the spring of my inner life. Because of my sin, I'm blind to God. Because of my sin, I'm deaf to His truth. I'm dead to His fellowship and life. I'm sick in my mind and soul to perceive and follow consistently after the good. I have a heart that is governed by self and by sin. And so I don't just need a clean slate. I don't just need to be forgiven and then polished up. I need a whole new life. I need a completely different spring rising up from my inner being. I must become a totally different person in my inner life. And that's what God does at salvation. He not only forgives me, but at that very moment, He pours His Holy Spirit into me at the center of my being, interior-wise. And He makes me, He makes us brand new persons, regenerates us. He puts new life in us. Once again, this new birth brings to us a birthright, the right to drink deep from the wells of our salvation. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.